Many millennia ago, at the peak of Mount Hermon in the Golan Heights, a group of divine beings known as the Watchers, or Sons of God, descended in an act of rebellion against their king, Yahweh. By teaching them the secret knowledge of the cosmos, they sought to wrestle dominion of the earth away from humanity. They bore children with them, and their offspring were both human and divine. These giants are the demigods of old, and the events that transpired would forever alter the course of human history. At Camp Hermon, we discuss the oddities of the ancient world and their lingering impact on our world today. Welcome. We suddenly heard this really loud thrashing in the woods, maybe about 50 feet in front of us on the Jeep trail, the, the direction we were about to originally going to go, but we decided to go left. And we both looked. Connor happened to look just before me. What we saw was not a big, hairy Bigfoot. What we saw was a big, shadowy creature that would have been the shape and the size of a Bigfoot. It was huge. Hey everybody, this is part two of Wade Dunlap's episode. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back and do that. It's pretty awesome. You don't want to miss it. We got to Kentucky and when I retired, um, she lived right on, on post, right on Fort Knox. And I was like, there's not much to do. I started some hobbies, but I was taking care of the kids, doing the home stuff, you know, which is great. It's the first time in my almost 30 years I've been able to actually take the kids to school and all that stuff. But the area where we lived was completely surrounded uh, by woods. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but when Fort Knox sent their tank division, I think to Benning, I want to say Benning, that place became a, a graveyard. There's like reserve units, maybe a few active units. It's now HRC for human resources and reserve command, but there's not much going on on Fort Knox. And that's the reason why I ended up going to Fort Campbell instead of Fort Knox with my wife. So there's nothing going on. There's no training going on there in the summer. They'll have the ROTC come out there and they're in a certain area, but most of those woods, man, there's not a whole lot going on. No training. So the area around where I was living, I would just go hiking in the woods out there because there's no training, no hunting. There's nothing going on. So I do remember one December, uh, December 2018, beautiful, beautiful in winter in the south is nothing like winter up north. It, it can actually be nice out. It was 50 degrees, 55 degrees, sunny. So I took the kids out for a walk. We got up there and I've always done this. I've always gone on game trails. That's where you find the most fun stuff when you're out in the woods. Don't follow regular trails, follow game trails. So I started following these game trails that basically it was a ridge that kind of paralleled the housing community. So I could look down and see all the housing community, my section of the housing community from the woods up on the ridge. And as soon as I started getting into it, as I started finding tree bends, the tree breaks that you hear about people talking about, you know, you're talking trees, maybe three inches in diameter or more, about four or five feet up, completely twisted and then laid down to point along the game trail. 
And I kept finding these things, me and the kids, I'm just like, am I really seeing this? Or is this just my overactive back, you know, imagination from listening to too many um, podcasts, but I just like, well, let's follow them kids. And my kids didn't really understand what's going on. So I'm just <laughs> following this. We're not too far from housing. I figure we're okay. And that eventually at the end of this deer trail, it came to, there's a, there's a pipeline that goes around the outside of the perimeter of Fort Knox on one side. It kind of loops around from, I want to believe from the, it kind of goes up north, south, and then kind of goes into an easterly, easterly direction. And as we came up upon this pipeline, it's a very pipeline, but it basically it's like a clear area area that you see with the, you know, a high line power lines, that kind of thing. Um, but it was, it was just a, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 feet wide and Humvees would roll through there every once in a while to uh, just maintain the road for the pipeline. But we came on that and this, this game trail ended at a big teepee structure. And I'm talking, I sent you a picture of it mm-hmm. and these trees there, there were 12 inches in diameter at the base or more. And they're all laid over from different directions. There was four big ones, if I remember right, four or five, but definitely four pushed over at the tree, at the root over onto a live tree to form this big teepee type formation. And I'm like, man, is this what they're talking about? And all these podcasts, I'm like, this can't be real. You know, it just kind of blew my mind. So and I could stand up in there and had plenty of room above me. And I was just like, all right, kids, that's enough for one day. So, so we headed back in. Um, but I would start going out on my own. And that whole area, I'm talking, I mean, acres upon acres of woods with nobody in it and nothing going on. I had this place to myself. And this was pre-post-apocalypse. pre, pre uh, postal, you know, apocalypse. Um, so before everything happened, you know, and so while I was out there, I just kept finding crazy stuff. These pre-bends, I kept finding TP formations, giant T. I I mean, I'm talking TPs that were like probably 34, 40 feet high, not 40, but 30 to 40 feet high, give or take really large ones. All these trees pushed over from the roots to form a teepee looking structure from different directions. So it's not windfall. You know what I mean? The wind will blow trees in odd directions, but these were all laid over onto one live tree to form a teepee. It was really strange. And then I started finding footprints anywhere from six, eight inches all the way up to eight, 18 inches long. Unfortunately, you know, out in the woods there, the terrain is so leaf covered. There's so much um, debris. You could feel the toe imprints, but you couldn't really, if you tried to plaster it, you were just going to get leaves. Does that make sense? So I kept finding this and I, almost every print we found, and I had pictures upon pictures of these things, there was a metatarsal break. So I learned about this listening to like, uh, you know, uh, Cliff Barrick and those guys. <laughs> so, and uh, Jeff, Jeff Meldrum. So and I, at first I'm like, is this just somebody wearing a big boot? <laughs> you know? But you could start to feel toe depressions in some of these. And then I sent you that one pretty good clear picture where you could actually see the toe imprints on the top. I think that was either 16 to 8 inches, 18 inches long, but it was a big one. So 
I started finding this stuff. I actually came across a, most of this time was in the either winter or early spring before all the foliage started coming in, you know, the, the, the leaves and all the trees and it started filling in. But I came across an area, I don't know why these things love cedar, but I came across an area where it was a huge cedar branch circle that had branches from cedar that were several inches thick, all ripped off of trees. So not cut, not chopped, ripped from the trees to form this huge circle, like a hide, like a hunter's hide almost. But it was, I don't know, it was probably 10 to 12 foot in diameter. And I didn't see it till I was right on it either. And as soon as I walked up on it, I just had this overwhelming smell of musk, like urine scent. Like something had just been there. I could smell, it was heavy. Have you ever smelled deer urine or anything like that? Just that really heavy musky scent. That's what it was like. It was something like that was really, really powerful. And I was, it was spooky. Um, There was, I was kind of torn until I looked at the end of the branches where they're ripped off. Like, is this something kids did? Or is this something like, you know, maybe some soldier out here training or whatever because there was MRE garbage and some other stuff inside this, like something been munching on these things. Right. But then I noticed that all the branches had been ripped off. There was no, I mean, who's ripping off branches that thick from a tree. I know I couldn't do it. I'm a big dude. I'm 240 pounds. I lift. That's what I do now. <laughs> I send the kids to school and then I go to the, you know, <laughs> so, and so there's no way I'm ripping these branches off. What, what is the purpose? What do you think the purpose is of those TP like structures? I'm always curious about the theories on that. Okay. This is my, this is my theory and I'm probably delusional. What is the most common structure throughout the world when it comes to megaliths and what we probably think built these megaliths pyramids, right? I think these are a primitive you can't say pyramid, but they're primitive pyramid-like structure. I think, I think it has to do something to worship. I think it has something to do with worship. And I, I think it has something to do with, that connects to that pyramid-like structure. Obviously, they're not going to be, if they're Bigfoot, they're not out there building megaliths. Or, but what they can do is they can form a four-sided teepee like structure in a worship type um, building, you know, a, a, a focal point for worship. I mean, they're not, they're not, that's absolutely for sure. You know, Say that again. I've li- they're not a place where they can, they're camping and hanging out. It's like, it's not like a teepee like native Americans would build, you know, th- this is not a, a debris hut or something like that. And I've done tons of survival stuff, military and outside of military. These structures are not built for that kind of um, use. So I started thinking, well, maybe these are a a primitive form of temple or worship spot or as they're very similar to a a pyramid. And and some some of these would look like a four-sided pyramid, except there was a live tree in the middle four four trees pushed over from four ang- at different angles to form almost like a pyramid slash teepee formation so 
and I would find them in ones or threes out in the woods. So I, I'd come across an area where I'd find three of them all stacked together. Crazy. So that's my thinking. I don't know, because there's no really logical explain, explanation for, uh, if I was building a teepee in the woods, it's, it would be for a shelter, but I would stack debris on it and you never find any of these things. Even when I found brand new ones, sites that I've been before and there's been, it hasn't been there. I'd come across it again, find this. It's not like they're throwing debris on it. I've even found miniature ones that were maybe four feet high out in the middle of the woods, nowhere near anything. I'd find these little itty bitty teepee looking formations that it was just where they were all balanced together and intertwined together. Just crazy. I'm like, what is this? So I don't, I don't know. I, that's my guess. I think they have something to do with uh, a worship of some kind. Yeah, I, I, I like it. And for whatever reason, when you were describing that, I got this picture in my head of these things that I've seen people will have. It's basically, uh, it's a pyramid, but it's, and it's made of, it's made of metal and it's just the, just the sides. I'm trying to describe it and inside it. And it's like hollow or whatever, but like inside of it, there'll be like a crystal or something. Sure. Okay. I don't know what they're used for. So some sort of, yeah, it's like with these people, it's all about energy and the source of energy yeah. and positive energy and all that kind of stuff. So I can definitely, and that could be what it's all about a, a focal point for energy. I don't know. It's hard but to at say. the same time. I mean, when we look at the the pyramids that that we know of, right? Like in Egypt or, or wherever, they do seem to be power plants. So right. I think it could be a dual kind of purpose type of thing. It's practical as a power plant or a source of energy, but also this aspect of being a focal point for worship as well. Right. Well, I think you're right. I think originally, originally started out as a place of, I think probably stargates, man. They were probably an energy source for whatever stargate or whatever portal they were opening or using. Who knows? Um, and then eventually they became a focal point for worship, for the worship of the little G gods. You know what I mean? So, right. I don't know if that is crossed over to whatever these, Bigfoot are doing in their spare time, you know, while they're out causing trouble, um, creating these things. I found giant trees and I keep seeing using the word giant, but really tall trees that are like 40 feet tall and bent over from the top of the tree, somehow laid down on the ground and then have an old dead log laid on top of the live part of the tree to form this huge arch. I got pictures. I've seen so many. I'm like, no human could do that unless we had like a, a squad out there with ropes and pulleys and a lot of board time, you know, who's doing this, you know? Right. So I, I there's crazy things that I I've just seen out there. I've had a rock thrown at me. I was uh, on a old abandoned um, fence line and I came to a point where there was a rip in the fence and I, I thought about going through to see what was, cause it was a game trail too. And I was, I came to this point and I looked at it and I was looking in that direction. I'm thinking, should I go that way? But I, I suddenly got the creeps. So I kind of looked left, but then I looked right. And as soon as I looked right, I heard a thump and a roll. And off to the left of me, maybe three feet from me, a rock the size of a baseball landed 
and then rolled a little bit away from me where, from where it landed. And I, I know it was launched from that other side of that fence. <laughs> so there's nobody out there. Right. And I'm like, okay, screw that. I'm taking off. I came back to that site weeks later. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going over there today. And I did, I went through and about 30 feet up on the game trail, I found a stand of a thicket of trees, bushes, whatever saplings that were bent over about 10 feet tall, bent over completely. Every one of them bent over and laid down with another uh, stump or not stump, but a dead log to keep them down. And it was a perfect hide. Mm. And the deer trail went right next to it. So you could sit behind it. If I was like a ground hunter and had a bow, that's like the perfect place. You just sat there and anything that went by on the trail, you would have snagged it. So I think something was there and it was basically giving me a warning not to come up there that mm. day. So, so can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. If, if the theory is that these are Nephilim or some sort of chimera breed between, you know, Nephilim, fallen angel DNA, human DNA, right. you know, double helix, triple helix type of thing. Why does it seem like, like, why would it give you a warning? Why would they be, you know, benevolent in some cases? Do you think, do you think it's a matter yeah. of, and I'll tell you my idea and you can tell me if you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I, have, I do have an opinion on that. So, go ahead. so we see the same thing out of these demonic entities, right? They're sometimes benevolent. And I think it's simply a deception. Yes. For them to draw you in like, Oh, these are good guys. You know, it's, so it's that deception of, Oh, you're safe. It's okay to interact with you, to talk with you, whatever the case may be. And then, but I think the other question is why aren't they just killing us? Cause in yes. some cases they are able to. And I think the answer to that is, is God's grace in his hand of protection over us. Um, and, I'm not going to pretend to know why God does what he does. You know, he's, he's sovereign. So I'm not even going to go there, but right. it is, some people are killed by these things. Um, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I think there are rules in place. What those rules are, it's hard to say, I think, but I definitely think there are very much, there are rules in place, but it's a matter of whether or not your experience, what, when you go into this, you fall into that that rule, you know, at that time, at that place. Is it a area? Is it a land issue? Is this like, hey, this there is no longer something controlling this area, but they happen to be hit there, so they can't really do anything? Or is it you're already or are you already physically protected or spiritually protected from these things? So you're not going to run into the same kind of um, maybe deadly experience that somebody else did. It's hard to say. Also, I've also thought that maybe, and it's just a guess that some of these, I think some of them over the, over the centuries have probably interbred with humans mm. to extend, you know, you don't want a bunch of inbreds, right? You know what? We all know what happens with inbreds. Just got to go to Tennessee. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, 
You know what I mean? So I think they're, whether it's through kidnapping, rape, whatever, I, or, you know, who knows, there's stories upon that too. I think that maybe there's a possibility that some of these creatures have a little bit more humanity in mm. them than others. And because of that humanity, maybe just like us, there's good people, there's bad people. Maybe some of these are less likely to smash you into bits, you know, into bloody pulp versus the ones that are just arriving on the scene and allowing and being allowed to do whatever they want, whenever they want. But I do think there's rules in place. I think, um, like I said, I think you can rebuke these things. I think you can use the name of Jesus against these things, physical or spiritual at the time. And so I think there's something to do with all that also. So, I mean, it's hard to say, but does the United States still have a principality? Are we still rule? Is there certain areas like in the Southwest where there's a strong presence of evil in some mm-hmm. areas or even like in the, in the, I love the Smoky mountains, but there's so many stories about the Smoky mountains and, and you know, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I've been to the serpent mound. I've been to Chillicothe and those mounds, you know, there's, there's a presence there. And so are these things, you know, are these things being allowed to because of the area they're in? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus being an area that is no longer under the influence of maybe something really, really bad or fallen. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I but definitely, I, rule. I definitely think that there are, you know, principalities and powers and like territorial spirits and right. that there are things that we can do as as christians as believers to take over an area territory a particular place and you know you raise a good point about that that aspect of diminutive control and so if if a spirit or an entity or principality or power whatever you want to call it if it has control over that diminutive diminutive control over that area and you go that area are you are you coming out from under your spiritual cover and protected protection, so to speak, and therefore vulnerable to physical attack and potentially death? I think there's something right. to that for sure. And again, it's a possibility. And the only thing that I kind of wondered about is if that's the truth. And trust me, there's times that like when I. <laughs> I'm bored a lot when I'm not into my hobbies <laughs> and I think about this stuff and I'm like, if that were the case, then why aren't these things just on a killing rampage whenever they want, you know, you come into my area and you're going to disappear. And while people do disappear, I think there's, there's more of a rule, more something being broken, something happening that allows this to happen, but it doesn't happen as much as it could happen. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, because oh, I was in some scenarios in, at Fort Knox. Like, man, if this thing wanted me, it could have me. You know, whatever this is, I there was almost there was almost never a day that something didn't happen while I was out in the woods at Fort Knox. So whether it's just footprints, but I I went from that rock throw to tree knocks. Um, I've heard rock clacks. It, sound, it almost sounds like a 22 going off, you know, when those things are smacked together hard enough. Um, just the, the TP formations, all the footprints I found. My, my wife found some. She found one. The, the, 
the toe print alone was that big. It was like three inches long. Huge. You could just feel in the leaf litter, the compact. It had to be heavy, dude. Mm -hmm. I found hair that, okay, something, it looked like something big took a huge dead log. It was, it was at least six feet long. I couldn't look. I tried it. Me and a buddy were out there. I brought him along. We tried lifting. There's no way. And it lifted this big log up, bent a sapling over, and then laid this dead log in between the sapling and this huge live tree. And it formed like a seat. And you could see where something sat down and just wore away all the old bark. And it was just, just covered in brown, wet fur. There was no animal um, evidence of a dead animal anywhere anywhere around it. So I, I don't know. Did something come along and rub a dead animal there, or you know, or did like you know? There's no bear in the area, so who knows? All I know is that there was a bunch of hair, like something sat its big butt on there and just rubbed its butt all. <laughs> That's what I thought about. That's what it looked like to me. But who knows? Um, while I was there, while this was going on. I got really into this, the Bigfoot thing. And I went to the Ohio Bigfoot conference. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a, uh, it's pretty, it's a, it's, it's up at Salt Lake, Salt Lake state forest, I believe it's called. And there's a lot of sightings there, but they are every year they've been having a conference there. And I went up there that year and I actually got to meet uh, both Bobo and Cliff um, from never finding Bigfoot and great guys. They gave their, they talked and went through this, their spiel, but I went up to him afterwards. I even talked to Jeff Meldrum, great guy. And I talked to Cliff. I was like, listen, I got some weird stuff going on down in Kentucky. He's like, dude, that's a hot spot. In fact, he goes down there regularly, not where I'm at, but other places. He's like, but who you want to talk to is this guy. And he is uh, an investigator who's pretty big in that area he bases himself out of kentucky i don't want to give his name out because i haven't talked to him in a while but i even brought him with me back to kentucky onto fort knox to look around and he was seeing the same structures i did he's definitely a uh uh, what's that called a flesh and blood guy he doesn't believe in in the, the spiritual craziness aspect but i had him there and while i was at i camped out at the salt salt creek while I was there, <laughs> it was 11, the night before the conference, it was 1130 at night. The whole campground is dead. Everybody's in bed. And I'm like, this is lame. So I'm outside in the campfire by myself. I'm smoking a cigar and I'm just chilling out. And in the woods, right across from our campsite, I saw this red orb materialize in the tops of the trees, not above them, but in the tops of them. And it's, for 10 minutes, I watched it float lazily from one end of the woods and then back to the other through the treetops. And at first, when I first saw it, I'm like, is there a car back in the woods on a road I didn't know about, you know, that's coming down a trail or something? But then it hit me. There'd be more than one red light and two, there'd be headlights. You know, it's just one solitary red light. And it didn't make any noise. There was no worrying of a, if someone's out there with the drone, they're pretty damn good. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So I don't know. All I saw is this thing going back and forth, back and forth. And finally it just faded out. And the next morning I got up and I went across there and it's just woods. There's nothing back there. So I don't know what it is I saw, but I did saw, 
see a red orb floating mm. in the so pretty crazy um i do let's see i want to kind of move to the i know i'm taking up a lot of time but i i want to talk about one of the main, okay one of the major events and i have some of this on audio tape or videotape um i kind of i messed up when i was recording because i started taking gopros out with me i never got anything I would take my iPhone out with me. I record stuff, take pictures, do whatever. I went to an area of the woods. I had them split up into fours and I explored almost all of them except one area. And I hadn't been in, I don't know why I didn't go there for the longest time, but finally I was like going in there and it was the furthest away from the housing and deepest into the woods. So I started going in there and I was following old Jeep trails. I'm sure from the thirties or forties or fifties or whenever, um, but they were all overgrown. They were still being utilized as deer, you know, as game, game trails. But you could tell they were old Jeep trails because you'd go through an area. It was like a ridge and you'd have hollers on both sides, you know. So, and they would wind through and then why off in the different directions and whatnot. And as I got deeper into the woods following this, I got to a, a Y section and I was about to take a left and go deeper. And then all of a sudden, in the distance in front of me, I heard three, at first, three loud roars. Have you ever heard a howl monkey? Have you ever been to Central America or South America and heard a howl monkey for reals? No. Okay, they're loud and kind of scary. Well, this thing beat it. <laughs> it was like, all I heard was, <laughs> I'm laughing because it was so crazy. And then the third one, and it stopped me dead in tracks. I'm like, did I just get roared at? You know, I was stunned. I wasn't expecting something like this to happen. It felt spooky at first, you know, when I first walked in the area, but I wasn't expecting to be roared at. You know what I mean? This was like, like a thousand pound howler monkey started roaring at me in the woods. And I stopped and I was like, oh my God. And I was loaded, by the way. I was, I don't go without protection anymore, anywhere in the woods. It's just too much has happened. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. So I started to, oh, just as that happened, the third one, I got out my iPhone, I started recording and nothing happened at first. So I started to say, I just heard three loud roars that just kind of let the, know to mark myself on the recording you know this is where i heard this and I, just as i said roars a fourth roar happened and so what i caught on my audio was just the echo of the roar and so i have to turn it way up but i can i'll play it for people i'm like you can hear it right I'm like yeah it sounds like an echo of something at the end you know so i i caught a little i was really mad at myself i'm like how could you if you just shut up you would have caught this roar you know what i mean so all I got was the echo of the roar. And uh, so I started, I turned it off. I thought, all right, it's time for me to go. And I started following the game trail or the, the Jeep trail back. Like I said, on both sides is, are these deep hollers that go down into some dark woods, right? And actually one side's a bull depression. And I'll, I come back to that area later where something crazy happens too. So I started walking, but on my left side, deep into the holler, I heard a, Whoop. And then further up beyond me, where the direction I'm heading, I heard an answer. Whoop. 
back at that. And I was like, oh man, I'm in the middle of a group of something. And I was like, all right. So I was starting to get worried. So I started kind of booking out and I probably took 10 steps and off in the direction of the second whoop, I heard a baby cry. I heard a baby cry. (laughs) And that, that right there was it, man. I was like, no, I'm out, dude. And so I started hauling (laughs) butt out of this this trail, out of these woods. I'm like, man, that's one thing, you know, to hear what (laughs) whoops, you know, or roared after the baby. I don't know why it was that freaked me out the most. So I probably went, I can't say uh, maybe a hundred yards to the woods till I finally got to the pipeline clearing. And as soon as I stepped into the pipeline, I heard a noise, a staccato noise that sounded like a 50 caliber rifle going off. Have you ever been around a 50 cal as it goes off? Uh, don't think so. Okay. I've crawled under 50 cals as they were firing over my head. And it's not just the noise, it's the reverberation, it's the, the pounding of that weapon noise, like boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like, and you could feel, you know, that feel that that's what, whatever made that noise sounded just like that and felt just like it. And it came from the woods just below me a little bit. And I could feel the, and it was so loud and so powerful. I dropped to a knee. And because I thought I was being shot at at first, that was the initial impression. And, but it also hit me at that same time as if it was a 50 cal, I'd be deaf. Cause it was so, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know, the 50 cal, any rifle reports piercing, it's got that piercing report. This had the, the, the feel and the loud staccato pressure of a, of a automatic weapon, but it didn't have that piercing sound. So it also hit me that, okay, this isn't a rifle. This is something pretending to be a rifle. But that's what I heard. It was the craziest thing to happen. And wherever it came from, I should have seen it, but it, was, it wasn't visible. All I heard was a, ka, 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 ka. I was like, all right, screw this. I'm going up the hill on the power line away from that noise. As I started going up the hill away from the noise, that noise kept reverberating every minute. It was like clockwork. And, but it kept getting further and further away from me. So I hear a minute later, then another minute. So you could hear it getting further and further away. And then I finally stopped and I'm like, why aren't you recording this? You idiot. So I stopped and at least I'm like, I'm at least going to record the noise. It's probably going to sound more like a 500 pound woodpecker by now, but I did record it, so I did get that that noise, and I'll send it to you if you want, so you can kind of hear what I'm talking about. Sure. Up close, it is super powerful, super loud. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go across the power line into the other section of the wood, up onto that ridge that overlooks the housing. So I went up there and just kind of settled myself a little bit before I was going to go back down to my home, which you can see, by the way, from the ridge. That's how close these things are. On the other side, so there's a power line that cuts through, and then there's a service road that that um, is perpendicular to it that comes from the other end, from the far side of northern part of the post. And it's just a Humvee trail for the, the maintain um, to get to that power line, or yeah, you know, the, the excuse me, the pipeline. And 
on the other side of that, on the ridge, that was the same ridge. I literally, I know this is weird, but I, I literally felt like something was jumping and pounding on the ground on the other side. I could feel the ground pounding like boom, boom, boom. And I could feel it. And I was like, okay, they're trying to tell me to leave. That's what it felt like. Like something was jumping up down, having a temper tantrum on the other side of the ridge where I couldn't see it. So that's when I, um, so that's when I took off. Um, this is when things got bad in our home. So I don't remember my, my wife seems to think that there were weird things happening in our home prior to this, but I do know it wasn't until after these events that things got really bad in our home. Um, and like, like demonic oppression stuff, like bad again, like almost worse than what was going on in Hawaii. While it didn't physically do stuff to me, I went through major sleep paralysis. Um, I went through a sleep paralysis episode where I kind of was in that phase of awake. I couldn't move awake, you know, knew I was awake trying to wake up or, you know, fully move. And I heard chanting going on like some, like a group of people are standing around chanting mm. and it was strange. And I knew it was in my bed. I can feel myself in bed, but I still hear this. And I'm, I'm trying to use the Lord's name to get out of this, to rebuke these things. And it was like, of course, tr not, it didn't want me to, but eventually I just kind of calmed my mind down. And as soon as I said in the name of Jesus, and then as soon as I said that it was gone, mm. that's when I started. That's when I started learning to rebuke. I was listening to things, reading things and learning to rebuke in a way that forced these things to stop and also force these things to leave the home. I still hadn't got to the point where I knew how to cleanse a home, how to protect your home, how to armor up, not just yourself, but your home, your family. So I was still in that kind of trying to figure things out phase. And I was going through a lot of this kind of dark and I'd come into the, our bedroom at night and it seemed to focus on our bedroom. Um, my wife and I both heard a baby crying from our bathroom one time, like, like it was a baby in the distance, but it was in our bathroom and we're a single story, a single family home, no babies on either side of us, you know? So, uh, it sounded like there was a baby crying in our, in our bathroom. So we started hearing stuff like that. Candy had the, you know, my wife had the TV turn on in the middle of the night one time while I was gone. One time when I was home, we had the TV turn on in the middle of the night in the living room. So first one was the bedroom. The second time was the living room for no reason. Um, we were hearing slapping and knocks in the hallway outside our bedroom. I would hear like pound, like a, like a huge pounding noise on my bedroom. You know, they, they like to call it scientific things like um, exploding head syndrome and, and weird stuff like that. And I'm like, nah, man. That's mm -hmm. not what you're not, you, you may be the only one hearing it, but it's not your head causing these noises. I don't care what anybody says, but we were, we were experiencing stuff like that. Candy would, um, in the middle of the night while she was sleeping, our, our youngest son would at times come and, you know, crawl in the bed with you or whatever. He was probably three or four at the time. And a couple times she thought he was crawling into bed with her. And then she'd kind of wake up and find out there's nobody there. So something was crawling in bed with her, but it wasn't our boy. So um, 
she had stuff like that. We heard one one time she heard from the bedroom door, she heard something go daddy in a really creepy voice. I didn't hear it. I was right next to her. I'm usually the one experiencing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> we had a, we had a, a nightlight in our bathroom our bedroom bathroom just to kind of give us a little, a little light. And it was, it only turned on when the lights were off. Right. And you couldn't see it from the bed, but you could see the light kind of peeking out of the bathroom as things really got crazy in the house. There'd be times where I'd come into the bedroom and I feel this just really heavy, dark energy. You just feel it. And I like, I knew something was going to happen that night. Every time that happened and it was like, just making me angry. And the light in the bathroom would start to flicker like something like, like a cat or something was playing with a ball of string. Said it was something they're playing with light. It would flicker a little bit, flicker a little bit more. Like something was just kind of playing with a little sensor on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Finally, I got mad enough. I said, knock it off. And it quit for about 15 minutes. And then it started up again. And so I was like, all right, enough of this. So I went into the bathroom, turned on the light. And I started to pray. I started using the Lord's prayer, like go to. And just as I got into it, I felt like some, like something took an ice pick and jabbed me twice really hard in my right kidney. It almost dropped me to the ground. It was so painful. I never felt that before. It felt like I got shipped, man. It was just like kick in really hard, but I, I didn't stop. I just collected myself and continued on with the prayer, prayed over it. And it stopped and it went away for the night. But it, that would happen on a regular basis where that light would just start flickering and uh, just kind of causing all kinds of crazy stuff in that bedroom. Um, my son, uh, who's, he's my oldest son, who's active duty. He's a, well, I'm not gonna tell you what he does, but he's, he does high level stuff in the army. Um, he came home to visit us on leave and while I was there, I was telling him about this, and he's very much a skeptic to the point where it kind of drives me nuts. I'm like, all right, buddy, let's go out <laughs> in the woods. I'm going to show you. So I took him out to the woods um, just to show him some of the things that I was seeing. And sure enough, as soon as we got out there, we started finding like hides, like brand new hides, like they ripped off the top of trees and made little nests in the middle of the woods. Trees that they weren't like deadfalls. They were, you know what I mean? They looked like these are stinky trees. I don't even know what they are to this day. They, whatever they were, whenever they, the leaves started to rot, they had a huge, really bad pungent smell. And I think they were using that to mask their scent and they would rip them off from wherever they were getting them, drag them up into this kind of clearing area in the woods, right next to the pizza hut, by the way. And there was a perfect trail from the dumpster of the pizza hut straight into the woods to where these heights were. I, I know it sounds weird, but that's what I saw. <laughs> no, dude. I mean, it, it, it makes sense if, you know, you're talking about a, a chimera where, yeah, it's part, you know, fallen angel, maybe part human, but also, you know, an animal, animal DNA kind right. of mixed in there. So there's going to, there's going to be some of those, those tendencies. And if they're living out in the woods, they're going to be scavenging at some point. Exactly. for food. 
Well, even a teenage Sasquatch wants to get a pizza once in a while. There you go. He might have had his girl out there, you know, a little pizza. Exactly. But it was really crazy. And you could see where these things were sleeping in the depression, in the middle of these big, thick trees, uh, tops of the trees. But we started, that's where we hear the rock clack. And I started here, you know, that noise I tell you about is like, you know, the 50 cal noise, that staccato. Mm-hmm. I started, we heard it though, but it was really, really low. Like it was trying to make the noise without really being heard. And we hear it being answered by other staccato points around us. Like just to let us know, like we're here, I'm over here. And my son kind of looked at me with wide eyes. I'm like, I told you, dude, I told you. And it wasn't like woodpecker noises. It was a, it was like a really quiet. And if you watch a great ape, they'll slap their hands on their chest like that cupped and they'll make that, mm-hmm. you know, noise. I don't know if that's what they're doing or if they're using their mouth or what, but it sounded like something was answering each other and it spooked up deers on the other side of the ridge. And we saw some deer just haul out of there from that region, from that area where we were hearing this noise. So again, who knows? Well, you know, they're probably using their vocal cords and, you know, you think about there's animals like birds that can mimic, you know, different voices and noises. Right. There are, you know, plenty of, of stories and lore about uh, Native Americans and different tribal peoples being able to mimic the sounds perfectly of other yes. animals. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility or, or ridiculous at all to think that these these guys can can mimic the sound of anything given enough time and practice and their vocal absolutely and the fact that you're on a military base where they've heard it probably every day for the longest time and for a while at least while active training was going on there maybe Mm -hmm. they've learned to mimic that you know i don't know i i had my neighbor once come and get me while I was inside, I was in the house or something. He came and knocked and he was like, dude, come out here and listen. And cause like he was in on it with me. I, I told him about it one night. We were just hanging out and smoking cigars on my front porch. And I'm like, Hey man, you ever had anything weird happen to here to you here? He's like, no, well, let me tell you a story. So I started telling him about all this stuff. <laughs> so he came out with me a couple of times, but I told him about that staccato noise and it sounded like a 50 cal, you know? He got me that one day, came out, and they were doing some kind of maintenance on the road. So there was a road crew out there, which is super rare, but they happened to be, you could hear the machines out, you know, the big rigs, whatever they were doing, and probably cat out there too. But um, he's like, listen, outside, outside of that noise. And you would hear the staccato going on in one side of the woods, answered on the other side of the woods. Like they were just going crazy and pissed that they were, uh. that those guys in that area. And they were just going off. He's like, you can, I'm like, holy cow. I got in my gear and I went out. And that day I went out in the, in the that area where it was coming from. And they, it was, they were almost, they knew I was there as soon as I got out in the woods, they were on high alert. And they were, I was hearing tree knocks back and forth up on the ridge, down on the ridge near me. I'd go one direction and it answer in the other direction. It was crazy. But, um, wow. Yeah. So anyway, my son, I took him into that area where I got roared at and I'm like, I want to take you to this area. We need to stay together. Whatever was out there was really mad at me. The last time I was in that area, he's like, okay. 
So we went to that same Jeep trail. And in fact, we went to that same Y, but we came in from the Northern direction. I wanted to see if I could mix things up a little bit. And um, so we came in from the other direction, actually the direction we heard the roar. And so we came in on the logging trail and we came to that Y and not much was going on. And then I'm like, okay, we can, I was thinking to myself, we can go left or keep going straight. The straight would have taken us back the direction I came in originally left would go into an area I've never been before. I thought, okay. I said, well, let's just go this way and see what's this way. And as soon as we started to go left, we suddenly heard this really loud thrashing in the woods, maybe about 50 feet in front of us on the Jeep trail, the, re- the direction we were about to originally going to go, but we decided to go left. And we both looked, Connor happened to look just before me. What we saw was not a big, hairy Bigfoot. What we saw was a big shadowy creature that would have been the shape and the size of a Bigfoot. It was huge, wide. It, it was, and when I say shadow, I mean, it was like, like a shadow dude in a room, except it's in the middle of the woods. And the thing about the woods and most hunters or anybody who hikes in the middle of the woods would know when you get in the center of the woods, things clear up. The underbrush is not as thick, you know, it kind of opens, especially if the big older growth trees. And so this thing was clearly visible and it was, head and shoulders above us and it was huge and but it like i said it was shadowy shaped so you couldn't see like any definition any physical features you just saw the outline of the shadowy creature breaking branches throwing branches aside ripping through the woods and just tearing through it scared the crap out of us you know and then it just disappeared and it was just gone and everything stopped and we're both full stunned, you know? And I just kind of looked, I told you, man, I told you there's something out here. <laughs> and, and I was like, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to go towards it? Is it trying to draw us at it? Or should we go the other way? Is it, we sh- or is it trying to draw us away from the direction we're trying to go? And I turned to you know, my son and I said, listen, we got one or two options. Can either head that way and or this way and he's like oh no we're not doing that scooby-doo crap i'm like what he's like we're not splitting up man i'm like no no we're not gonna split up trust me (laughs) no way no way man i said let's just go away from the noise because whatever that was it was big mad and powerful and we're both freaked out so so we took a long weird path but I have a pretty good sense of direction, but we got around north of that area on the back onto the power or excuse me, pipeline and just, and just got out there. So I can't tell you what I saw. All I know is that it looked like it should have been a Bigfoot, except it was a shadowy form of something big humanoid. And it had a physicality because it was ripping trees apart Mm -hmm. and, breaking through making a noise and we both witnessed it at basically the same time so that's what i saw so what i want to tell you real quick before we get further though on that is i want to tell you a story that the the researcher from kentucky told me that i told you about i invited him down and he went out with me from when we were at the ohio conference while we were out there he told me that he got a report 
from an army veteran who served on Fort Knox in the eighties. He said he was part of a QRT and that they are having a lot of drug, drug grows popping up around the base. So whenever the helicopters would identify anything going suspicious going on, they would radio into the quick reaction team. They would get in their tracks and they would zip out to that location and either try to bust up what was going on or whatever the case may be. And by the way, helicopters are circling that base, that post all the time, day and night, all the time, flying around that perimeter, along, around that pipeline perimeter too, specifically. I watched them go overhead of me as they were doing theirs. Luckily, I just kind of blended in. I don't know. But anyway, so um, he said this guy was dying. Again, the same old story. Dying of cancer, but I got to get my story out, man. You know, mm -hmm. so who knows? Again, this is all, it's just a secondhand story, thirdhand story, really. But he said that, you know, this happened to me in the 80s. I'm on stage four, but I got to tell the story. And I was told that you're the guy to talk to. So basically said that the helicopters identified something suspicious going on, send a QRT out there. So they got their tracks, went out to that area. Said so what they found is basically it was a grow site. So it was a marijuana grow site. No humans, but what they found was a family of Sasquatch. The female had caught herself in a bear trap and was just tearing her leg to bits, trashing it, right? Screaming in pain, agony. There was a big male and three juveniles. And when they pulled up, they're all stunned, of course. They're like, oh, were we seeing this? Are we really seeing this kind of thing? And then the big male, of course, scared, angry, you know, just started roaring and went at the Q QRT team, whatever, QR team. And, and they all they just opened up. And they just opened up. They killed all of them except for a juvenile. The juvenile was able to... Get, one juvenile was able to get away. So I think I recall them saying every time they shot the creatures, um, the Sasquatch, they would see blue powder-like stuff spraying off the creatures. Like, not like pink mist. I mean, if you, most military people know what pink mist is. This was mm -hmm. a, a blue mist, like a blue powder almost, he said. And they um, they didn't know what it was. Anyway, they radioed in and said, okay, come back now. What about the bodies? Leave the bodies, come back now. They come back, they poured in. They're, all their uniforms are taken. They're taken to the hospital, Fort Knox. Um, they had blood work done, given new uniforms or whatever. Um, and then they had the signed non-disclosure agreements about the about the event. So I'm here's what I'm saying, saying about this, whatever we saw in the woods very well could be either a physical creature that has a supernatural ability to shadow itself, turn itself into a shadow like the Ron Moorhead. Maybe it's quantum physics going on. It can cloak itself, whatever, you know, you hear this stuff all the time. Or did I come across the spirit entity of one of these dead demonic chimera creatures and are these things what's been coming into my home 
and basically terrorizing me ever since I started going out in the woods. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, so, totally. No, I mean, that, that makes the most sense, honestly. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's what I've come up with. Um, for, you know, all these things, be it a demonic entity, um, which you could consider those a, a demonic entity in the sense of a, you know, disins- dis- disembodied spirit of the, you know, a Nephilim. You could call, you could consider that a Nephilim. And they, ha- they have to be invited in. There's got yeah. to be some invitation, some access point into our lives. And I've spoken about this on other episodes before or relatively in depth. So I won't go into it again, but they have to be invited in. And so when you go looking for them, these things and you, you want to encounter them, that is an invitation. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. That's what I did. So, so yeah, you never know what you're going to find, you know? And, and so that's, that's, that's exactly what I was coming across. So I hear certain people talk about, yeah, I'm going to go and look, looking for dog, man. I'm going to go looking for Bigfoot. I'm like, yeah, man, you might want to rethink that because the experience I had brought nothing but trouble. I don't go looking mm-hmm. for anymore. I still go out in the woods. I still like to hunt. I love to be out in nature, but I put on my spiritual armor now, whenever I right. go in the woods. I, I make sure that I'm as best as I can, that myself and my family are going to be protected. We're out there spiritually and hopefully physically. Yeah. So, yeah. And so it, it took me a lot of digging and a lot of resources. Podcasts are a resource, man. I don't care what anybody yeah. thinks. They're not just stories. They're resources into other people's experiences, other, other people's expert opinions. And some of these guys are experts. They got, phd and mm-hmm. their doctors of of theology and, and what have you and through the works of like i hear it all the time through yours and other pod, dr michael heiser yeah and guys like that all these guys i listen to they give you they give you the tools to armor up and and how to spiritually cleanse your home uh to protect yourself spiritually whenever you're out. My wife got, when she came to Germany, she came a couple months before we did. She's out in the woods and she felt all of a sudden, and she was just on launch stool walking around the perimeter, looking at mushrooms on a beautiful fall day. And she had the feeling that something was running at her, rushing her from behind. It freaked her out. And then she turned around expecting to be like, she was being bum rushed by something. And then there was nothing there. So, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be in the woods. You could be in a home. It doesn't matter. You don't know when these things are going to attack. And if I'm a spiritual poop magnet, then it's probably rubbing off on my <laughs> wife, too. So Definitely. I don't go to the woods looking for them. Not saying I don't observe because my head's always on a swivel mm-hmm. whether I'm in the woods or not, you know. So I just, I don't go looking, I don't go inviting them anymore. And that's mm-hmm. exactly, exactly right, man. When you go in the woods looking for Bigfoot, for dog, man, for rape, for whatever you're, you are inviting these things into your life. You're asking for trouble. So, yeah. And what I will say about that is there's a way, there's a way I think to do it where if you're armored up properly, where you're not inviting them in, Right. Because I still do think that it's not a terrible idea to to go looking, but 
if your motive is pure, if the motive is to, I want to expose the darkness that it, that are these things and the influences that they're having on people, because it all goes back to deception, yeah. all of it, always, it always will. So it's just a matter of finding the specific lies that are leading back to that deception. Sure. And it's all meant to either for, for the Christian, if you're a Christian, all of this stuff is it's meant to, to neuter you basically yeah. To, yeah, yeah. So, under so much fear that you're essentially of no use Yeah, in the sense yep. that you're not a threat to the enemy or to the enemy's camp. Yep. But if you're not, if you're not a believer or if you're a new believer and your faith is a little bit shaky, it's to draw you away from Christ in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. Yep. And to, to draw you away to something else. Right. Knowledge is power. I agree with you hundred percent. I, I don't think you should back away with it. Um, for me right now, actively going in the woods, looking for them is probably not the greatest thing. I got <laughs> re I got baptized again uh, as an adult. I went to, I came to Germany praying for a new church, praying for to get baptized. <laughs> Here it is. I'm an adult. And as a Catholic, you're a lot of times you're baptized as a baby. And I'm not going to get into whether that's good or bad or whether you need to baptize an adult or not. I think in the end, if you walk with Christ and your faith is in Christ and what it, it you know what I mean? So, but I found out from my mom as an adult, she's like, yeah, it turns out the priest who baptized you was actually caught red handed molesting a kid. Oh my God. I'm like, you're going to tell me that now? Are you serious? I'm like, like you could have told what me that a long that, time ago. You know? I'm like, here I am. I'm like, I was baptized by a guy who's not a good dude. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't know him or remember him really at all because I was just an infant um, when he was caught. And actually he ended up being secreted away to Mexico where he ended up being murdered anyway in Mexico. Oh, so cool. crazy. Yeah. A crazy story of a town from 1200 people. So anyway, so I finally I was praying over it. I'm in Germany. I'm like, you know, we don't have a church. I'm not usually a big fan of everything that happens on base. Sometimes they're good, but I wanted a community. And I just ran across this guy who I see every day, but just say hi to because he's on my route as I walk my kid to school. We got in a conversation and he's like, you go to church? I'm like, been looking for one. He's like, well, I got the church for you, brother. So he invited me there and it's a good Bible Christian church. And I was there three work weeks when the pastor was like, Hey, next weekend we're doing baptisms. Anybody wants to do it. I'm like, Lord, you look like kicking me in the butt with this stuff. I'm doing it. So I got baptized, you know, and, and reborn and nice. it's, it's been good. You know, um, how long ago I, was that? Uh, six months ago. Dope. That's awesome, dude. So, Yo, so, let me, let me read yeah. a couple of verses from First uh, Peter. Uh, this is the ESV First Peter chapter three. I'll start in verse eighteen. This is related to baptism. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, those fallen angels. Yes. The first send, right? First book of Enoch, because they formerly did not obey. They rebelled, right? Read the read your first book of Enoch. Yeah. Six. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah, 
while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt for the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. So A, Peter is linking what happened in Genesis 6, the first book of Enoch, to our salvation and the importance of baptism. So to me, those verses right there, A, most people are not going to preach on these or teach using these verses when they're teaching about baptism. Um, I've actually, I've never heard anyone use those verses before teaching on baptism. Right. Which is wild because it's, it's about literally about baptism. But to me, I grew up Catholic as well. So I was also baptized as a baby, went through confirmation, first communion, the whole nine, same, same as you. I did get baptized later, um, you know, as an adult, uh, I was 17. So almost adult more or less. And I mean, he says it right there. It's not about, you know, he said it, it saves you. It's not about removal of dirt. And so, I don't know. I think those those verses right there. I'm not going to you know judge anybody who is not baptized you know as an adult, but there is something very powerful and supernatural yeah. that that happens, and I think it it goes just beyond the symbolism. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Absolutely. Power and symbolism. Yep. It's not just we use this term symbolic, and I think we kind of water down what that means. Like almost like, oh, it's just it's symbolism. It's just like it's not really real. It just kind of symbolizes something, but there's power in symbols and symbolism. Absolutely. No, I mean, <laughs> like I said, the symbol of, you know, it's in the Bible. It, all the tools, the weapons are there. And what does this tool or symbol do to help you defeat the, the powers of darkness? Whether it's, uh, you know, the sign of the cross just with oil and, you know, mm-hmm. anointing oil, whether, you know, who knows, maybe it's just uh, silver, gold, mirror, you know, these are not necessarily symbols or physical items, but you know what I mean? You're using them yeah. in a symbolic way to fight against darkness. So yeah, I've, Yo. I've gotten heavy into that. So um, to, to put on the armor and to figure right. out what I need to do to combat these things. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Hey, Dr. Judd did write me back, by the way, about the silver. And so he, here's what he said. He said, it's a natural antibiotic, uh, excuse me. Yep. It's a natural antibiotic, which may be the root of its use, given the longstanding link between demons and disease. Ah. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely. Did you ask him about the 30 pieces there. of silver paid for the blood of Christ? Not that specifically, paid, no. That, played for, that paid for the sins of humanity? No, so, I didn't. I think you should, because you've got that, that theory and that thought in your head. I think you should reach out to him and ask him about that. He'll, he'll respond yeah. to you. Are you guys friends on yeah, Facebook? I'm friends with him on Facebook already. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Hit him I up on messenger. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he'll I didn't tell you about the UFOs I saw, by the way, just real quick. I saw yeah, I had two UFO sightings all during the mix of the stuff. My wife and I were driving on Fort Knox, broad daylight, w- right off the gate just past uh, the depository i happen to look and we're going to pick up my daughter from daycare just right around the corner and i look over left and something shiny reflected i looked and there was a 
huge silver orb stationary in the sky <laughs> floating. It was the size of probably, I would say a black Hawk cab, you know, it was good size and it was just sitting there off in this, just sit. We saw it for a good 30 seconds, just sitting there, not moving shiny silver orb. And I'm like, all right, candy, am I crazy? Or do you see that? She's like, Oh my, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. And it's a silver orb. And then we got to the stop slide, sign, uh, light, went around the corner, you know, maybe a matter of 15 seconds. And then some trees had gotten in the way and then it cleared up again and then it was gone. So it was no longer there. But I also have MVGs, which, um, and I have some, I have some you know, thermal too, but the MVGs at night, I'd get them out and you can just see every star at night on the front porch when you look up. You can see the, the planes on the route from Louisville to heading south that go over. You can see these planes. It's perfect, you know. And one night I'm out there with Candy and we're looking up and I started seeing bright objects appearing in night vision, bright as heck, floating all around, zipping around about the same height as the, as the plane we're at. So it was up there, you know, what, what is that? 20, 30,000 feet. I'm not even sure, but up there, right. Zipping around. And then you could not see these bright objects. You could see the planes without the night vision, but they're bright with the night vision. This object that was just as bright, if not brighter than the plane, you could not see without the night vision. And then they would disappear while you still were looking at them through night vision. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're only visible in that spectrum, and then they would just disappear. And not like disappear in the sense that they went out of orbit, in the sense that they went too far away. They were directly overhead, and then they would just disappear from from the night vision optics. And my wife saw the same thing. I'm like, you got to check this out. Tell me if I'm crazy. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, so right over the – right over – Fort Knox, there's something spooky going on there. So, wow, dude, that's that, that is crazy. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot more. I mean, that's it's been a crazy ride. I mean, Germany, we haven't really had much happen um, because I just I I cleanse my house a lot, Good, bro. Yeah, I spray over it. I anoint the doors and windows. I use holy oil. I I I go. I don't even when we travel a lot. I don't even. I go with. I take silver with me, and I take anointing oil with me, and I take prayer with me, and I don't. Yeah, dude. I get demonic. What I call demonic recon every once in a while, where I'll start to get. I can tell a presence is trying to invade my dreams, and I've learned to actually rebuke in my dreams. And all it takes is me is saying the Lord, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ. And as soon as I say that, I wake up anyway, and the dream's over. But I had one instance where it actually screamed at me and I woke up with feeling the screaming and almost kind of hearing it in my face as I was rebuking it and waking up Mm -hmm. and uh, like, you know, pain and anger. It was mad. And then it just, it was gone. And then I cleansed my home. And as I was anointing my bedroom here, I was including the Germans have huge closet doors. And I was anointing even these doors. And as I was doing that, anointed the doors, went around to the other side of the room, closed all the doors, went around the other side of the room to start anointing the windows. And I heard a noise turn around. <laughs> One of the closet doors had gone fully open. Oh, wow. So 
something had opened it, but right. really in general, um, we've been pretty, pretty lucky here. Nothing's really gone too crazy. So, well, like we you said, I think it's less luck and more about, you know, you're, you're, you're fighting, you're, you're, you figured out the effective tactics and weapons to fight against these things. Mm. So, you know, these, I did anoint my router and I did anoint my other phone and computers <laughs> today. There you go, brother. Just cause there you I remember go. you talking about that. I was like, yeah, I should probably do that just in case. Cause <laughs> I'm already a uh, technological idiot. So let's, let's try to alleviate any other problems, man. Well, so. dude, like I told you to, it's, it's a minor miracle that I, I call myself <laughs> a podcaster now because pretty uh, awesome doing so well so far man that's yeah, awesome I'm, i've got some help thankfully thank god um yeah but uh bro man i appreciate you coming on man your your stories are wild and and you know our heart's desire with this is you know not that we would just have you know entertaining or interesting stories but that that we would play our part in helping to not just you know be entertaining and educate right but also to like equip believers and so one way we can do that is just exactly like what we've done talk through these things and then also talk a little bit about like how we can fight against the enemy and defeat the enemy you know day to day so i love that that's that's why that's why i'm telling my story i'm not someone who usually shares like this so for me it's like i think it's a necessity for people because i'm not the only one out there who went through stuff like this they need to know they're not alone and they need to know there are answers that aren't part of the occult that aren't, you know, you're not crazy. Things are, things like this do happen. And here are the weapons. This is how I got through it, man. So do your own research if you want, but, you know, look for a way through Christ to battle this. And I, I know there he's the answer and has all the answers for you. So absolutely. I don't, I love coming on and I appreciate you having me. So yeah, Thank absolutely. You very much. Yeah, anytime you you want to come back on at any point in the future, and you know, hey, even if you want to just speculate wildly about about a topic, I'd be I'd be happy to do that too, man. This is this is a great time, bro. I got plenty of speculations, and most of them usually come out the wrong end of my body. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I talk I talk a lot. So you let me know. Absolutely, yeah, that's what's up. Story. That's what's <laughs> up. Awesome, right, man. Brother. I appreciate it. Well, again, man, thanks for your time, brother, and we'll we'll be in touch, bro. All right, take care, man. All right, you too, bro. Later, you too. Later. Yeah. (laughs) See you, man. Bye-bye.